Hey, everybody, and welcome to an all-new romantic edition of the Elite Beat, your Valentine's Day source for all the AEW smooches, um, rose bouquets, boxes of chocolate, and sweet, sweet, delectable wine. I'm joined across the table by Jenny. Hello. And 111 miles to our southwest is Megan. Megan, how are you? I'm good. Are we doing a Bachelor recap podcast? Is that what this is turning into? Oh, we should do that. They have roses and chocolate. They do. Guys, have you ever seen a more sexy photograph than what (laughs) Gilles posted tonight on his Champagne Dumajan Instagram account? It was a pretty sexy picture. I've never seen a sexier picture. It was. Are you going to regram it from the Elite Beats? uh... I will figure out how to do that. Okay. I've never done that before, but I will regram it. I think that's a thing you can do. But it is. Isn't that, Megan? Isn't that an Instagram thing? Uh, I think so. Like retweeting, but for Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. It's his his bottle of rosé is in his beautiful light pink rosé bucket. With two beautiful champagne glasses full of rosé on a side table in front of a bed. Very sexy. It's a sexy picture. Do you guys know what it is uh, this week aside from Valentine's Day? It's our 10-year anniversary for all of us. Yeah. This Did podcast. Wanna... <laughs> no, it is. it was 10 years ago yesterday that I met Jenny and Megan, so... That's cool. That's a decade. Yeah. I think it's good that we met on a like a nice round number year. So our friendship will always be round. <laughs> the math will always be easier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so happy friend anniversary, Megan. Happy friend anniversary, guys. Well, our friend anniversary, Megan, is much earlier. Well, that's true. <laughs> It's not a round number, though, so. That's true. It's what? Sometime in August of 2003? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. But, yeah, and then Jenny and I have been together for 10 years. Uh, well, at least we met 10 years ago, and then we started dating shortly thereafter. That's true. And then she started watching wrestling, like, seven years later. <laughs> this podcast was just a twinkle in your eye. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Had to go through a lot of other wrestling podcasts before we got to this one. <laughs> As for our, our usual feature, the Elite Beat Pop of the Week, let's shake it up a little bit. Let's start with Megan down in Cincinnati. What have you got for us this week, Megan? Oh, man. I've got a Shandon, guys. Jenny, Jenny does not look happy. <laughs> I don't know what she expected. <laughs> No, I'm excited for your Shandon. No, she doesn't look happy that uh, that she didn't get to go first. This is my segment. <laughs> oh. Well, I don't want to step on your toes, and don't no. worry. I can't. Go ahead. Trample on me. With a Shandon. One <laughs> yes. we've literally talked about multiple times, and I have no <laughs> new facts to add to the, the whole thing. Yeah, I'm really going to trample on you there. What no. Shandon variety do you have tonight? I have a Brute, because that is what is sold at our local Walgreens. Oh, keep, right. Yeah, keep it classy. You want to give us a pop there, Megan? Yeah. Give it the good old Shandong pop. Here we go. Oh, 
That was a good one, Megan. They've got like good. Pressure. I feel like yeah, they they do it right. They get get the balance correct. Now, Jenny, uh, here in uh, Columbus Way, what are uh, what are we drinking tonight? We're drinking a red tonight. Yeah, it's a Gianni Gagliardo, which we've had a Gianni Gagliardo before. Uh, we had a Barolo the last time. This time, it's a Barbara D'Alba. This wine is from the Piemont region in Italy, which is the northwest region. It's the same area where Barolos are grown, but Barolos like a very specific region in this area. So this isn't as fancy. It's very delicious, despite its lack of fancy. So this is like the baby brother of the Barolo that we drank the last time. That's a good way of saying it. A little red pop. Did you get it? Did they hear? Yeah, well, that yeah. sounded strong. Good. All right. All right, everybody. Cheers and happy Valentine's Day. Happy 10-year Andy and Megan and Jenny anniversary. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get right into, uh, you know, the swing of the wrestling things here. As we'll start with Being the Elite, episode 190, Rocket City. Uh, we start off with uh, Matt Jackson in his Starbucks apron, making some coffee for Nick and Brandon Cutler. Cutler drinks it, doesn't like it. Nick just dumps it over his shoulder and pretends he drank it. It was clearly water that he dumped over his shoulder, by the way. Yeah. And Didn't want to ruin that new shirt. And after they leave, the voice in Matt's head says, he's going to open his own coffee shop. Who needs this wrestling stuff? Being an EVP sucks. So, I think it does suck for him a bit. I saw gray hair in his pony tonight. Mm-hmm. A lot of pressure. Stress. It's like Obama after eight years. Twitter will do that. It takes years off your life. Thank God we're not on Twitter. Andy has enough gray. Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. It was a joke. I love your gray. <laughs> we, uh, we get a montage of the Young Bucks uh, traveling around Alabama, uh, which is where... Uh, they were for Dynamite last week. Huntsville, right? Yes. Uh, backstage, uh, Scorpio Sky is talking to Kip Sabian about uh, how cool it was to go to the Super Bowl. Sabian says, I just wish I could have been there. And Megan, what does uh, Scorp yell at him? Do ya? Sabian takes a big bump. Scorp is very happy. Camera pans and uh, Kazarian is right there. Not at all happy that his bit's being taken by Scorpio Sky. This guy says, I just like it so much. And Jenny, what does Kazarian say? Do ya? He does it with such force that Scorpio Sky is killed. Not killed. Well, he's knocked unconscious and Look, quivering on the ground. He's not knocked unconscious. <laughs> he's, just, he's just shaking on the ground. Yeah. He's just throwing his ass up on the ground. Christopher Daniels pops up, talks to Kaz about wanting to you know, talk over whatever's going on tonight. And Kaz uh, says, uh, you know, maybe find Scorp. I can't do it. Because if you remember last week, they found a Dark Order mask in Christopher Daniels' gear bag. They did. And they're still not sure how to talk to him about it. So I didn't even recognize Kip. He's wearing glasses? He was wearing glasses. He didn't have his hair gelled. We had a baseball cap on, I think. Yeah, but he, but his hair was also kind of falling in front on with the baseball cap on. And his accent, holy crap. I liked it. You ever heard him talk? I don't think he ever talks. He talks. When does he talk? He doesn't talk with that. He talks a lot of shit, man. 
I don't think I've ever heard him talk. Oh, all right. Sammy Guevara is uh, very happy to see Brandon Cutler backstage. Gives him a big hug. And Brandon is really not into it. But uh, Sammy's, you know, being a little bit disingenuous. He says, like, oh, you know, some things don't change, just like your win-loss record. Uh, Sammy says he has an advisor that can maybe give him Brandon some help with his career. Orange Cassidy's backstage. And... Jenny's favorite characters in the history of being the elite pop up, Arthur and Trevor. No, thank you. <laughs> and as is their way, Arthur is ripping Orange apart, and Trevor tries to explain he's very popular and that he's uh, full of vitamin C. He, he prevents scurvy. He does, and if anyone watches Poldark, you know that it's a real disease in the late 1700s. Sure, yeah. Uh, back to Sammy and uh, Brandon. Uh, they go they go into a room, and there is some kind of psychic tarot card reading guy. His name is Benino Bodega, and I have no idea who this is. Mm-mm. I was Megan, trying to I was you know? trying to figure out if it was somebody from the normal crew, like dressed up, but I don't think so. Yeah, I tried to recognize who it was, and. Maybe it was just my brain playing tricks on me, but I swear I'm like, I know this is somebody I've seen. I could not put my finger on who, though. Yeah. So anyway, so Sammy leaves after talking to, you know, Benino a little bit. And uh, they do like a little bit of a reading. And uh, Brandon is is convinced that Benino is legit when he uh, discovers or when he, uh, you know, reveals to him that like he likes Dungeons and Dragons, which is true. He does. Well, first he just thought he liked, like, sex dragon dungeons. dungeons not dragon. Sex <laughs> just dungeons. dungeons. Sex dungeons. Is that a thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But he liked a different type of dungeon. The Dungeons and Dragons. And then Benino says, oh, oh, I would never play that game. It is for nerds. It's offensive. I guess, if you're offended by being a nerd. In this day and age, I feel like nerds rule. It's okay. Yeah. You're a Dungeon and Dragon player. You weren't, I'm sure you weren't offended by this skit, were you? No, I was not. You know that, like, you know, Brandon Cutler is a true ally. <laughs> yeah, in, in the battle where we require allies for Dungeons and Dragons, Brandon Cutler's there, sure. Yeah. Uh, back to uh, Matt Jackson making coffee. He says, <laughs> I used four plastic bottles. And he picks up four empty plastic bottles, like water bottles, and drops them on the floor. Then, very faintly, the dulcet tones of Merch Freak begin playing. And Nick <laughs> Jackson, shirtless as ever, shows up <laughs> and says, That's not trash. I have a new magic trick. He picks the bottles up, he throws them up in the air, and after a uh, very uh, you know subtle camera cut, a new Elite shirt appears. And my favorite part of this is you hear someone yell, holy shit, off camera. And then it pans over and Kenny's been sitting there the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) And he says, I want one. And uh, fortunately, there are four more uh, bottles uh, just on the counter. And not the same. Not the same. Absolutely not the exact same bottles. Yeah. Uh, They're lined up differently. So they couldn't be the same. bottles. Couldn't be the same bottles. I mean, yeah, those four bottles went into making those first four bottles went into making. The shirt that, mm-hmm. you know, that Nick produced. 
So he throws the bottles at Kenny, and after another subtle, very subtle camera cut, Kenny is wearing the elite, the new elite shirt, and he's very impressed. And as it turns out, these shirts are made out of organic cotton and about four plastic bottles, with uh, 100% of the profits going to PureEarth.org. So, if you wanna, if you wanna look stylish, and help save the planet, check it out on AEWMerch.com. We get clips of uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny heading out for last week's match. You can see Adam Page uh, looking like he's uh, at the end of saying a little prayer. So it made me wonder uh, if he does that uh, before every match. He's a good Christian boy. I guess so, yeah. So they lose that match that they all went out for. Uh, and uh, backstage, we get we get an alternate camera angle of the amazing skit where Hangman produced beer out of uh, thin air. And Megan, I don't know about you, but I was afraid for a second that they were going to ruin the magic here. Me too. Yeah, a little bit, but they cut it perfectly. Yeah, I thought I totally thought they were like doing this to like show the how they did the, uh, you know, the person like handing him off the. And the, I uh, I thought this was going to be their full on turn then if they showed that. Show that Adam Page does not have magic. But anyway, so it's but it's yeah, so it's an alternate. Uh, angle of that whole thing but instead when he when matt takes the beer away from adam they just follow the bucks and matt's voiceover is going again and he's wondering what it is about the beer that Paige likes so much so he smells it and he said oh it smells putrid he takes a sip and spits it out and he's like i've been waiting 34 years to try that and he sets it down and and he's like oh i hope nobody spills into my breath i'm straight edge (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> backstage again adam page is very tipsy walking around with his uh pitcher of beer that he manifested out of thin air he enters the best friend's locker room and he asks them where private party went trent says that they left and page is grumpy because he told them to wait up and page takes some bills out of his wallet and says Private Party doesn't deserve this, and he tosses it to the best friends. Trent's confused, and he says, what is this? I don't watch the show. <laughs> and then Chuck says, it's 12 bucks. <laughs> because if you recall, Hangman stole $12 worth of liquor from Private Party's bar many weeks ago. Yeah, I when Adam went backstage and asked for Private Party, they said, oh, he's going to give him the 12 bucks." Mm-hmm. Because you know that they pay things off and mm-hmm. being the elite. Trent takes the money. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. And finally, as the show ends, uh, we get sad music uh, playing over Nick and Matt, helping Cody backstage after his uh, lashing from MJF. And we cut to Paige drinking in, a, in a, his uh, hotel room in the dark. Uh, Kenny comes out of the locker room and as we cut back to Nick and Matt and uh, Cody, and he's helping he's helping them uh, you know support Cody and... Paige is still drinking alone, but Paige sets his drink down. He sets his drink down because he's done. He's done. He's like, this is, it's too much. I'm so, I'm on a self-destructive path. I have to stop this. And uh, we cut back to the elite, the other elite as they make their way into Tony Khan's office. And then what's the last shot, Jenny? Adam picks back up the drink. Adam picks back up the drink. So, Yeah. He's not ready yet. Not yet. 
Not yet. He'll get there, right? Yeah. 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 On some brighter news, I figured out how to share Gilles' story. Terrific. So you can check out our stories on our Instagram at the Elite Beat Pod. Excellent. Let us move on to AEW Dark for February 11th, 2020. Not a lot to talk about here, but uh, we opened up with Riho defeating Shoko Nakajima from Tokyo Joshi Pro. She's the uh, young woman who wears like a wolf pelt in the ring or whatever the hell it is. She has a little like tail too. Yeah. She's like, very wolfed out. Yeah, I like her look, and I really liked this match. It was it was uh, very sprinty, uh, just nonstop action, and uh, Riho gets the win. What did you? What did uh, Megan? What did you think of this one? I liked it. I like seeing Riho get to have a different opponent and do a little more because it, you know, just feels like lately she hasn't been around, and when she is around, it's kind of not been awesome. So this was fun, and it was good to see uh, Shoko back because I think i only remember her from the clip they showed like i i heard the name and thought i know who that is kind of but it was cool i i hope she's around more yeah she so the last time she was uh the only time she was uh here in in aw was at fight for the fallen back in july uh and that infamous match where uh b Priestley and shoko beat uh brit baker and riho Oh, and Britt tried to tag her in the wrong corner. Yes, because Britt had a uh, severe concussion yeah. from a boot from B. Priestley. So yes, it was nice to see Shoko back in action. And uh, and Riho actually avenged uh, that loss because she was the one who was pinned by Shoko Nakajima in that match. We get Jimmy Havoc defeating Sonny Kiss. And uh, I thought Sonny was very impressive in this match. He got to showcase a lot of his offense. And Jimmy Havoc was... More like it seems like uh, this is a different style Jimmy Havoc than we've seen before. Very, very like kind of I don't know like uh, sadistic, submission based, and uh, heelish. Yeah, it was a good Jimmy Havoc, I think. Yeah, I thought I thought he looked he looked pretty sharp here, and uh, and you know it's easy to get sympathy. Uh, it's easy to get heat when you're uh, beaten up on Sunny Kiss, who gets a lot of sympathy from the crowd. I love seeing Sunny Kiss in the ring. I think he's so much fun to watch, and his mm-hmm. flexibility is just unbelievable. And the ass on that boy. What? I can't objectify people? No, you can. <laughs> We're all allowed to. Uh, this was followed up by a Luther promo on Jimmy Havoc. No, thank you. And I will say this. I don't have... I don't really have an interest in seeing the match, but I thought Luther's promo was decent. If only he would stop just pointing at his head over and over and over again. Yeah, he does a lot of head pointing, and he always does the, like weird tongue things too. Yeah, but I thought the actual like content of the promo was was decent. So this is them spinning him off of the Nightmare Collective going nowhere. So I guess they're keeping him around. Yeah, I mean he's Jericho's buddy, so I think he'll have he'll he'll get another chance. Okay, I wasn't clear how much he was into the company at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean we haven't seen him wrestle. Like maybe he'll maybe he'll surprise us. There are a lot of old people in this company that like, or I shouldn't say there are a lot of old people in this company, but the old people in this company employees tend to like still have it. 
Yeah, I'm like, uh, oh my god, who the hell was was the the same name as the singer? Sting. Sting. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what, a, what a what a rough few months that was. Whoa. Jenny's haunted by 2015, apparently. I am. <laughs> so I did start watching wrestling before seven years into our relationship. Sting's, how... Sting's inoffensive three-match run in WWE has scarred her. Man, how long did it take you that. to realize they were different Stings? Oh, like, no time at all, because, like, the regular Sting, the good Sting, could have gotten into that wrestling ring and, like, kicked ass without any training versus this old-ass man. Jesus. I mean, I don't know if she's totally wrong. I think Sting keeps himself in good shape. Yeah, he really does. I mean, can't he... He does all that yoga and, like, weird sex stuff, like, for ten hours... Yeah, and we know he's the heel. Tantric sex. <laughs> it's called tantric sex. I think the bare naked ladies wrote about it. They also just made you say underwear. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Hikaru Shida defeated Cassandra Golden. Uh, another like decent match, but uh, I, I don't know. Like, it's it's good that they give people ring time, but. I kind of thought Hikaroshida should have smashed this person. Yeah. Should have been to smash him. Yeah. But she looked fine. She was, she was like, tall. Yeah. <laughs> and in the main event, the Dark Order defeated Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. And it's like a real solid tag team match, I thought. It's okay when they're not, like, swarming people in the ring. Speaking of, uh, right afterwards, the Dark Order's B-team... Uh, which includes the Clean Beavers, mm-hmm. attack uh, Jungle Boy and Marco after the fact. Luchasaurus makes the save, but uh, Uno and Grayson join in then and uh, overcome Luchasaurus. But thank God, SCU makes the save. So that was dark. I thought, like, so, you know, maybe it didn't sound like it from what the way I'm talking, but I actually thought, like, for wrestling quality, it was a really strong episode. Yeah, I would agree. Especially since, you know, I don't really think any story, big storyline things occurred within with the matches themselves. No, I think really we just got the, the Luther promo for Don Jimmy Havoc after that match, and that was about it. Yeah. Was the most number of matches that we've seen in a long time. I think only one other Dark has had four matches. Yeah, maybe perhaps so. And that takes us to Dynamite, the, uh, the meat of our... Uh, weekly output so this week we're at the heb center in austin texas and we're opening the show with adam page and kenny omega aka mega hung facing off against seu for the aew world tag team championship and we do not get new tag team champions mega hung retains kenny gets to pin kaz after a uh, buckshot lariat v trigger combo that i don't think they've ever done before we'll get into the content of the match but i do want to point out that the chiron for mega hung was particularly entertaining this week because it says days as champions 22 days sober omega thirteen thousand two hundred sixty-eight. his life hangman zero hell yeah yeah i mean Best hangman chiron like, yet 
less than 10 minutes, probably. Not the yeah. match? No, oh, of his sobriety. sobriety. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's his best Chiron yet. He's had a lot of good ones. He has had. been drinking. That was great. Not happy with this music choice. Wonderful. <laughs> Anxious I'm, millennial cowboy. Anxious millennial cowboy. They're all I great. like that this one kind of incorporated his teammate, though, for yeah. once. It's true. Yeah. I thought I thought this was really funny. I posted this on our Instagram. If you guys want to check out the Elite Beat Pod on Instagram, I wouldn't you? It's the only source for the truly important things in life. Now, before this match started, we did get a Dark Order promo on the big screen. Not and before it was like after the bell, but before uh, these are all good sportsmen, so they didn't engage while it was happening. That's true. These were two babyface teams. Um, I missed this. I must have been posting. <laughs> well, they just said that the you know the exalted one's coming, and uh, we're we're everywhere, and we're closer than you think. Oh my god, it's like the James. So we just watched Quantum of Solace, the Daniel Craig James Bond, because we've been watching all of the James Bond, and we'll have a great Instagram post when we're finished with our watching. Um, but. In, in one of the first scenes, they were interrogating a person. He's like, we're everywhere. You don't even know where we are. We have eyes everywhere. And then, like, literally someone standing next to them, part of MI6, shoots someone because he is part of the thing. And then Judy Dench is like, they always say we're everywhere and we're watching you. But, like, they're never actually in the room. Until so, now. Exactly. Daniels uh, is like Craig very suspiciously says like I'm gonna handle this I'm gonna go take care of this and then he goes backstage and we're never we never see him again. <laughs> well, that wasn't that I didn't get that. I think it was giving like the video gave him a convenient out to leave ringside and quote unquote go investigate. And the announcers are like all over it too. Yeah, I mean, if he's up to shenanigans, it's very convenient that he got to leave at that time. Yeah, yeah. I thought this match was awesome, by the way. Oh, yeah. I've never seen, like, we, you know, Megan, you know, in a a different life, uh, we used to do a a weekly NXT uh, recap podcast, and we would always talk about, like, how great the tag team division was there. I think AEW's tag team division is even better than, like, peak NXT. I would agree, but I also think that's because they put way more effort into it than even NXT did. Yeah, I I, agree with that. I can tell when AEW does tag teams, I can see that there's a reason for the tag teams to be, rather than just slapping two people together and saying team up, or even with some of the established teams in WWE, like the... The way that they do it in AEW, coordinating tags and actually strategically, you know, switching in and out, it makes a lot more sense to me than it does in in WWE. And I don't think I would have gotten that had I not seen both. Yeah, I it's uh, it's it's really something you could. Yeah, I mean, it's I've never seen a company that places so much emphasis on tag teams like truly never Um, like New Japan doesn't do it. You know, um, Pro Wrestling Noah, which was another promotion I followed closely, uh, never did it. WWE has never done it. It's uh, it's really cool to see. 
Yeah, I mean, New Japan does, like, tag teams and eight-team matches and all of that all the time, but it never seems purposeful, like what Megan was talking about. Right, yeah. Kaz was definitely working heel in this. Did you guys notice that, like, kind of, like, subtle heel? I was more focused on Scorpio being not subtle heel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, they did that spot earlier where he, like, kicked Kenny as he was running uh, against the ropes. Yeah. And and, and the crowd was just like, boo! Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they weren't having it. I mean, maybe if he was wearing those black skinny jeans, he would have gotten less boos, but he still would have gotten booed. Yeah. And then uh, Kenny, you know, at his next opportunity, came back and hit him with that running high kick to the face right off the apron. That looked great, Mm -hmm. by the way. Um, Yeah, that ruled. Everything in this match was great. Uh, Kazarian at one point shoved Adam off the top turnbuckle onto the ground, which always looks terrifying to me. So that was pretty mean. That was very heelish of him. Yeah. That was. I mean, yeah, SCU is definitely the heel of this match. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and like you said, that uh, Buckshot V-Trigger combo finished it for the champs. and That's becoming their regular finishing move. Well, Megan says she's never seen it before. I don't think I have. Or if I have, they, I don't think I registered it being called that. Like. Well, I am, I'm just, I for one, I'm just going to be very sad when Hangman and, when I'm sorry, when Megahong implode. I want Mega Hung to always be a tag team. And I want them to use our tag team name. I am trying to make this happen. I keep commenting on all. And by all, I mean Kenny and Adam only post maybe once every three weeks. But I always comment. Mm-hmm. Favorite tag team, Mega Hung. Yeah. The censors won't allow it. <laughs> but they can do it on Insta. I know Hangman is married, but wouldn't it be great if Mega Parekh, AEW General Counsel, and Hangman Page got together, their, like, celebrity couple name could be Mega Hung. Yeah. I My heart would just explode. That yeah. would be too much for me to handle. Well, th- thankfully, it's not going to happen, because Adam is happily married. He is. Of course. To, what, his, like, high school sweetheart? I don't know, but they're married. <laughs> Seems happy. Yeah. After the match, Scorpio and Kaz get stuck in the middle of the ring, having lost, and the Dark they Order comes. They look bummed out, by the way. Like, they look bummed out and pissed, and, like, they look like heels look when they lose. Well, they had an opportunity to get those belts back. Once you've had the belt and you've felt that winning sensation, you got to get it back. It's like heroin. Whoa. I assume. Whoa, Megan. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, but yeah, they're bumped. And they don't get a chance to like throw a temper tantrum like other heels do. Because Dark Order comes out. And it's, you know, it's the whole team. It's Clean Beavers, Evil Uno, Stu. Maybe a couple little of their patrolmen. But they surround the ring and it looks like Scorpio and Kaz are about to get beat up, but the best friends run out to make the save. So they join them in the middle of the ring, and then the bunny and the butcher and the blade come down, presumably to be on the side of the Dark Order, because heels gotta heal. The hybrid two also walks down, as if these emo boys would give two shits about any of this. <laughs> but they're there. 
And then finally, the young bucks have to round out the whole squad so that the good guys have, you know, good numbers. And then they brawl. And it all comes down to basically, I think the bucks and the best friends are the last good guys left in the ring. And they're facing the butcher and the blade. And the best friends get tossed out. So the bucks kind of have a moment where they each have one of the butcher and the blade and are kind of winning against them. So I don't know if this is to imply anything, but the good guys triumphed ultimately. You do a big dive on the, onto the pile on the outside to close out the segment. It's true. You got that many people out there. You have to do some dives. So this was uh, very clearly, uh, you know, it's your kind of typical last segment before the Royal Rumble on Raw, where everybody who's in the Royal Rumble gets in the ring and they all like brawl. Why are the Bucks going to be in the Royal Rumble? They're going to be in the tag team, number one contenders tag team battle royal next week in Atlanta. That's what the segment was previewing. Oh, I thought that every not... everybody who was out there is in that battle royal next week. Oh, I thought the Bucks were already going to fight Kenny and Adam in Revolution. No, they have to win this in order to do that. Correct. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. then the Bucks are winning next week. Uh, I would did think you guys so. notice that in the dive, like Scorpio was just left standing with no one to help. Like catch or hold or or break the fall of. Yeah, he was the only one who was standing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Like, yeah. Nick and Matt clearly went on opposite sides, and Scorpio was in the middle. Just which kinda... is which is fucking rude, by the way, because during the tag team title match, when Scorpio did a dive, Adam Page ran from like like three feet away to save his life. He did. Because he did, like, a flippy dive. Yeah, and he did not come anywhere near where Adam was. No, no. Yeah. But Adam Adam's had to go to there. Well, Adam's a pro. Yeah. yeah. I respected Adam's effort on that one, because I was like, oh, man, Scorpio could have died. Yeah. yeah. Did uh, did either of you notice Jim Ross uh, calling the Young Bucks the Bucks of Youth? I did. I loved it. It's like the blonde of the two. Well, Megan, uh, you may know what that reference is, do you? The Bucks of Youth? No. That is what, when the Hardy Boys were on the Indies and feuding with the Young Bucks before the Hardys went back to WWE, that is what Matt Hardy referred to the Young Bucks as. Oh. Oh, some more foreshadowing. Yeah. So is this Christopher Daniels thing a red herring? I think so. I think it's way too obvious. Yeah. It'll be a misunderstanding that they, like, explain They'll show on being the elite, like they'll roll back footage and you'll see Brandon Cutler leaving that mask in Christopher Daniels uh, suitcase. And then you'll see like something else happen that made him run out with the Dark Order tonight. Like there was some other distraction that we didn't get to see tonight. Yeah. Or twist. He is into some kinky shit as Kaz speculated. That's also possible. He might be into the other kind of dungeon. (laughs) (laughs) Sex Dragons? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we got our little preview for the tag team Royal Rumble thing occurring. Um, we go from this match to what I thought was kind of a confusingly messaged interview. But I I would love to hear your, your take on it. Um, JR is sitting. This is pre-taped, so he's somewhere with Santana, like in the ring before the show and he's asking him what he meant when he told John Moxley he would learn what it was like to live in darkness and Santana gets 
real. Um, and he starts telling a story about his, like, being in a dark place in his life and then calling his father. And maybe I misinterpreted it, but I got yeah. the tone his of, like, blind. suicide. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, his father's blind, but I also thought, like, when he said dark place, he was calling his dad to be like, and this was, like, a time I considered taking my own, you know, like, I don't know. It seemed more geared towards death. And then we find out that Santana's father has been blind basically santana's i think whole life or most of it he started to go blind when the dad was 14 years old so santana keeps referring to him as being stolen from him and again to me that's more death sort of implication than being blind i i was confused about is the father blind and alive or blind and dead uh sorry santana's father passed away on new year's eve okay See, if you God. if you recall last week, he said something about this has been the worst year of my life already, and yeah. and we kind of wondered what that was. That's what he was referring to. He he wrote that maybe a few weeks ago on when he was posting, and I just thought, I wonder what's happening. That's so sad. Yeah, but okay. I also think it's really shitty that they're doing this fake blind storyline with a man whose father was actually blind. Maybe it's Santana's idea. Maybe he's honoring his father. I think if he if he would have been against it, he probably would have told them not to do it, and they probably would have respected that. I mean, my issue with this segment was it was muddled, and I was confused about, are we talking about dying? Are we talking about blindness? It, it was mixed messaging for me. And now learning that his dad died, it's also like, okay, I clearly missed that in what this was. So I was mostly just narratively not into it. <laughs> I was con- well, also this was like a total babyface promo. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why they kept it modeled. So like I was confused as well. So Megan, I also thought like when he said he called his father because he was having a really dark night and called him at like three thirty in the morning. I was thinking, okay, he was contemplating suicide. And then when he talked about his father losing his his sight. But then it also seemed like his father was a big supporter of him. But then it sounded like his father wasn't with us anymore. So I was I was also very confused. And it was a baby face promo. And then I did have some thoughts of, but you're faking being blind right now. And your father's actually was actually blind. Like, that's a lot to reconcile for a person. Mm. Well, that yeah, that was see, that was part of it for me, too, is there was a line in there. Where he's like, it was a dark time. I called my dad up at 3.30 in the morning. And I told him, it's a dark time for me. And that's like where you think he's going down the the potential suicide route. And then he says his dad's response is, this is how it's been my whole life. And suddenly we go from dark meaning like tough times to dark meaning literally I can't see. And I just thought that was like an awkward transition and didn't mean the same thing. And I didn't understand the story after that. I was pretty clear on all this. <laughs> Megan, I was with you. I was I was confused. <laughs> okay. I'm like, I don't think I'm stupid, but this this seems badly structured, I guess. I, my only problem was with it was it like made me feel so much sympathy for Santana. <laughs> well, he did end it by after all the heavy stuff, he took the time to say, you know, 
he's towing the inner circle line that Moxley had the opportunity to be a part of their group and he pissed it away. So it's all his fault that all this badness is befalling him. Well, yeah, because JR asked a really good question, actually. He, he said, well, you know, some would say that what Moxley did was just retaliation for what you guys did to him. And then, like, and then, like you said, Megan, he just said, like, he had his chance and he blew it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I came away from that more confused, me and Jenny, I guess, than Andy did. But Santana's mad and he is also half blind now for the sake of this storyline. You know who also said they're having, like, the worst year of their life? Sunny Kiss. Did he? Did something happen to him earlier this year? I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't know about that. 2020, starting out real bad. You know, 2019 was rough. Like, I wanted a better 2020. We're only in February. I know. You got wine and strawberries in front of you. What do you what, I've what you... got, like, a lot <laughs> of good stuff happening today. I'm good today. Although I will say that the Barbara is not as good as the Barolo. Eh. It's very jammy. Yeah. And I like a jammy, but it's very different coming off of the Barolo that's drier and more minerally. Okay. I don't believe you. Well, speaking of hot jams, next up we've got another Darby indie video segment. Because he is just going wild with his camera. Um, which is to say he made a very subtle, another short little segment here. Um, the video starts, it's in black and white, and it the camera is focused on Darby's skateboard laying on the ground. And from the side, we see cue cards being held up, similar to the ones Sammy holds up when there are commercial breaks and I never get to see them. Yeah, how did you know? How did you get that reference, Megan? Because you told me about them, and also one time when I watched at your house, I actually got to see Sammy do that. <laughs> that was the only time. <laughs> uh, this In this video, though, Darby's not standing in front holding them. He's just kind of, he's using his hand to hold them in frame. So all we see are cue cards, and he kind of goes through them slowly, and it ends up with, Sammy, you busy at revolution? Question mark. And then the last cue card is a picture he has drawn of Sammy with hit me up written on the top of the card and something about like kissing Jericho's ass and getting herpes, I think is like yep. what the Sammy caption is. So yeah, he is challenging Sammy at revolution. I thought it was really good and it would have been a little better if he had not done the juvenile herpes joke at the end. Agreed. Yeah. yeah it felt very love actually until herpes. <laughs> yes definitely definitely <laughs> evoking love actually not subterranean homesick blues yep to me you are perfect yep yeah but the, the, i agree that who's um, your favorite love actually <laughs> storyline let's uh, do this it's valentine's day colin god of sex obviously <laughs> he's in sanditon now on pbs Oh, shit. So he made it, huh? Well, ish. <laughs> okay. Ish. I, I'm really torn because I can never decide whether the, and it's shocking, it's going to be shocking that I can't decide between these two. Oh, gosh. Whether the Hugh Grant 
prime minister storyline with his his love interest or the Colin Firth with his love interest is my favorite. Oh, yeah. I'm so confused. Wow. How those are not the ones I would have picked. Jenny? (laughs) I think Billy Mack and his manager, Joe, have the best love story. They do have a pretty good love story. Yeah. It's heroin riddled. Shout out to Justin Shapiro. Big fan of Love Actually. Hey, Justin. Hello, Justin. Now we're leaving all this Love Actually talk in, so that's very exciting. Megan, what's your favorite storyline in Love Actually? Um, I think the most entertaining one is the Bill Nighy one. I really like that he's with his manager, but I the one that sticks with me the most is the Andrew Lincoln one because I think Andrew Lincoln's cute. I like when he angrily zips up his sweater. I know, right? <laughs> Great scene. <laughs> We're on the same page here. <sighs> but right. it looks like we've got, maybe not officially, officially, but pretty damn sure we are getting Darby versus Sammy for Revolution. If you can get medically cleared. Yeah. I hope that weird cough goes away. I don't want to hear that anymore. His death rattle. Yeah. Think he'll just like randomly do it during the match. I hope not. <laughs> I worry he will. Oh. Well, he's got a couple weeks to get better and presumably film more short movies here. Yeah, 15 days away from uh, wow. Revolution, right, as, as, we, as we speak here. You want to wrap back around to Sammy? Because he's in the next match. And he's accompanied by Jake Hager as he matches up with Dustin Rhodes. And... Trans ally Dustin Rhodes. <laughs> yeah, I Twitter man. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is how you find out people's uh, political beliefs, which is interesting considering what happens uh, as far as this match goes. Wait, what are you guys referring to? I'm referring to uh, Dustin Rhodes' tweet from 3:05 p.m. today that I'm guessing was in the wake of all the transphobic bullshit on Twitter about Nyla Rose. Uh, Dustin Rhodes wrote, sick of this transphobia crap. My son is trans and it saddens me to see so many hateful people on the attack. Get over yourselves and shut the fuck up. Oh, good for Dustin. Yeah. I want to believe that Jake Hager has had an awakening since working in this company. You'd hope. I mean, Scorpio did. Yeah. Not necessarily from working. I think he had his awakening well earlier, but yeah. he definitely like apologized. Like, even yeah. though he would, he didn't need to, but like he talked to both Nyla and Sunny. I yeah. believe he did. He absolutely did. So yeah, I don't know. People sometimes make mistakes. If you recognize that it was a mistake, and you grow and you move past, and you acknowledge it, and you apologize, and you become a better person. Yeah, that's okay. Totally is. It's when you yeah. don't recognize. And don't make any attempt to change. Exactly. Yes, or grow. Yeah. Exactly. So I hope Jake Hager is a nicer man than he was a few months ago. But we shall see. <laughs> yes, we shall see. Or this thing with them could get real interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, in a match where Sammy Guevara is facing Dustin Rhodes, I think that the outcome was pretty predictable. Dust Rhodes wins. Last time Sammy won. Yeah. So this was their rubber match. Rubber or second? Rubber match. No, they've only won Wrestle once. I thought they wrestled twice. I thought 
Dustin won, then Sammy won, then Dustin ran. No, they wrestled once and Sammy won. Oh, I'm sorry. I so this to me, Megan. It's interesting you say that because I I was not surprised that Dustin won because they were in Austin, but I would not have been at all surprised if Sammy won because you know he's younger and obviously has more upside potential right now. But I think they made the right choice because Dustin was over like Rover uh, in his hometown. I just thought he was fueled by such hatred that he had to win. If I had known that they were like going to set up a pay-per-view match for him and Hager right afterwards, I definitely would have you know, figured he was winning. Yes. When, when Dustin makes the pin after doing the final reckoning, he is pinning Sammy while looking dead in the eyes of Jake Hager. And then he like immediately calls him out after the match, gets on the mic and says, you know, you ever going to step into the ring or are you just going to keep collecting a paycheck? Which makes Jake Hager mad, but, you know, ultimately not bad enough to do anything because he, uh, he, he also down. refers to him as Jericho's bitch. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Jake Hager, um, I will say got to show more emotion than ever before in this match. I don't know if they're just giving up the, the strong silent thing, but he got to throw his own little tantrum and get really like, I guess like disheveled a bit by Dustin's prodding, which surprised me. Cause isn't he supposed yeah. to be like strong, silent? Like well, I take no shit. Well, he got to like, he got to, sh- and he got, you know, we'll get to it, but he got to show some like a little bit of uh, personality at the end of the show too. Yeah. He so, did. Yeah, so maybe they're maybe they are breaking him out of that a little bit, which you know that, that that kind of thing probably does have a shelf life. So I don't I don't mind him getting to show his personality a little bit. Maybe they just noticed that he couldn't fucking stop breaking every, <laughs> every segment, so they just stopped asking him to try. I really liked when Dustin said that he's failing at his wrestling career and he's failing at his MMA career, and then Jim Ross very quickly said, "Well, he's an undefeated MMA fighter, so he ain't failing at that." It was like it was like Jr. was was incensed that Dustin would say this about Jake Hager. <laughs> Wait, can he be un- undefeated when there's a no contest? Yeah, it means he didn't lose, so he's, he's he hasn't been defeated. Ah, uh, so that's no. What, okay, like, that's li- great. like no, it's not li- literally. Like, what does the word undefeated mean? Always winning. No. No. It means never being defeated. It means always winning. It really doesn't. (laughs) Undefeated. Two separate words. Always winning. At at what point in that, in that, uh, this, the last 90 seconds, did you realize that you were in the wrong? Never. Okay. (laughs) That means immediately. When she thought about the word, she realized it and she's like, time to dig in. Time to double down. I did, actually. Megan, you, you know me. <laughs> yes. But for the joke, I went all in. <laughs> so people were, like, super into this. Um, like, because even, you know, he, and obviously they're in his hometown, so that helps. But he said, like, who wants to see me kick Jake Hager's ass at the pay-per-view? And they were like, yeah, hell yeah. And I got to tell you, I want to see this match. And if you had told me a year ago that, like, hey, Andy, on February 29th, 2020... You're going to be excited for a Jack Swagger versus Goldust match on pay-per-view. I would have been like, fuck off. <laughs> what a very specific thing I don't want to see. Yeah. Right. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, Dustin, I mean, Hager's been used very effectively. Uh, and Dustin is, 
he's a marvel. He's like, I, I don't know that I've ever seen someone past the age of 50 who is as good in the ring as he is. Every time he's in the ring, I am just, like, shocked that he's able to do what he can do. Yeah. Like, I'm used to WWE old in the ring, not fit old in the ring. It, it kind of, I, I hate to say this, but it does kind of bum me out because, you know, he did, he had so many, like, addiction problems and, and, and oh, things that things that really, like, kind of, you know, hurt his career over the years. And it just makes me think, like, if he had gotten his shit together 20 years ago, like, what kind of career he really could have had? He'd be Cody, right? Oh, he'd be way better. He's better than Cody. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, and, like, when he was young... That guy could move like I mean, he st- he can move he's like so imagine he can move, move now, but like imagine him twenty years younger, you know, and Man. just like yeah. But uh, yeah, but and I'm sure he knows it, you know, that he wasted a lot of potential. But uh, yeah, but he's he's terrific. I, I love Dustin Rhodes. Did Dusty have addiction problems as well? It's chocolate. <laughs> what? No, just like the best addiction. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I, think he, I think he had a food addiction. Lots of candy. Yeah, yeah. But no, I don't think he was ever like he never had the rap of like as a drug guy or anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's sad to hear about Dustin. Yeah. And Cody never had any issues, right? I don't think so. Good. But uh, yeah, he I just like likes to pay for Pino. Yeah, you just you got to pay for Pino. You do have to pay for Pino, listeners. Yeah. yeah. Like that's a real thing. It is. Yeah. Because. Pinot is a delicate grape. $15 bottle of Pinot is going to be shitty. It's going to be water. Yeah. It's going to be piss water. It's like a Bud Light. Yeah. And $40 p- dollar bottle of Pinot, you're probably probably going to yeah. be okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I So, yeah, I think that Sammy and Dustin have really good chemistry. I like this match a lot. And uh, Dustin did uh, Adam Cole's uh, Canadian Destroyer off the second turnbuckle, which is always a trip to see. But <laughs> Yeah, and... We're going to get that match at Revolution, which, as you said, it's oddly interesting and definitely not something I anticipated wanting in my life. I wonder if that is going to be on the actual pay-per-view or if they'll be on the buy-in. Yeah, because I wonder how long they're going to let them go. Yeah. What other matches are we going to have? Well, okay, we got... Okay, let's see if I can just do this card off the top of my head. We've got Moxley versus Jericho. We've got Cody versus MJF. Well, presumably... If he could defeat Wardlow in a steel cage. We for sure won't know until that happens. Come on. They want to do a Punjabi. Punjabi prison match? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they wanted to, but that's uh, that's copyrighted. That's trademarked. Um, uh, Young Bucks? Well, we don't know. It's Mega Hung defending the tag team titles. Or... Or the Lucha Brothers defending the tag team titles because they're getting a title shot next week. Anyway. Oh no, it's Mega Hung versus Young Bucks. I would think so. Uh, let's see, Sammy versus Darby, uh, Dustin versus Jake Hager. Jake Hager, and is that it? Is that all we know right now? Uh, it, is Nyla gonna defend? Maybe, but we don't. We would have no idea who that would be against at this point. Yeah. I think that might be all we know. Hmm. Huh. I would say... They probably need a couple more matches. Well, they definitely do. I would say that at this point, it's a it's a card match. Like on the main card? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I would think so too at this point, yeah. Yeah, based off what we know now. Unless, you know... I, I could see it being the type of match, though, that gets moved, if need be. 
You don't think that Darby and Sammy would get moved? I think Darby keeps them on the main card. I agree. And that match has gotten like a lot of TV build. Yeah. Has it? It just came out this week. Well, they did the big angle where Sammy like slammed Darby's throat into his skateboard and then they then they did two weeks of uh like the the, the flamethrower promo and then then to the, the Love Actually promo. The Elon Musk and the Love Actually promo. Yeah. So the canon names. <laughs> Next up, we have an interview with the the dream team, Tony, Shivani, and Britt Baker. They're on the stage there in the arena and Tony Man, has, they are a fucking dream team. Well, that's what Britt claims, but I think Tony is um, buying into it now. Well, I, I I think that she I think she's right. They sure get hella heat when they come out. Um, well, Britt does. But Tony Tony opens the interview by asking Britt just how she can justify what she did last week to Yuka Sakazaki. And if you don't remember, she ripped out a tooth with the lockjaw. So Britt says... No, she you know, curb stomped her to knock out a tooth. And then she put the lockjaw on her afterwards. Oh, you're right. I just remember the bloody hand. <laughs> yeah. It all kind of got there. But yeah, a tooth was removed and a lockjaw was applied in that order. So Britt says, Tony, I'm a health professional. And I was just doing my duty of protecting the health of others. Because that tooth, she lists off a bunch of technical dental terms for diseases and i'm sure things that just boil down to maybe like gingivitis but basically that tooth needed to be removed so brit did it that was a real tooth issue she talked about an abscess well yeah i that that is like a horribly painful sore in your mouth that all of you know jane austen and georgia hair books talk about I just feel like she didn't really do, like, a proper medical examination to verify. She's just kind of making the assumption. And she does, in fact, ask that, or point out that Yuka should be thanking her because she did an extraction for free. Definitely. I mean, what kind of health care does she have? Who knows? She could have no health care. Well, She's an independent contractor. She doesn't get health care. Britt points that out, and then she kind of elbows Tony and says, hey, Mr. Starbucks, you know all about that, don't you? It was great. It was wonderful. <laughs> this was the best thing. I, I'm i loving these heel Britt promos. It's great. When you're bringing health care into your promo, like, this is real. I just want to point out that um, Japanese citizens get free health care from the government. Oh, because... So. That's a better country than ours. I think everywhere except America gets healthcare. Bullshit. Our country's broken. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, Tony, you know, he loves that Starbucks comment. He's flustered for a minute, but then he goes on to ask her about the upcoming women's title championship match of the evening, which is Nyla versus Riho, and just kind of ask what she thinks of that Britt says you know we'll get to see a great match but after the fact whoever wins is still number two to me and the crowd is enraged at this I guess travesty of a statement it's not even the worst thing she said the whole time but 
they're mad. People are screaming. And then Britt goes on to say the women's division is hers and she has to do her obligatory local flavor insult. So she holds up the horns because they're in Texas and then she turns them upside down, which you'd think it's like she just did a Heil Hitler sign because people lost her shit and she walked out to just a really loud booing. So I think they were still just mad about chubby Whataburger faces. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, she did call them that. That's when I noticed that like Basically, at that point, this promo is only for the TV audience because they were not, they were just booing and not paying attention anymore. <laughs> How dare you? Don't tell people in, in Texas that anything bad about Whataburger. I never encountered a Whataburger in Texas. Me neither. I thought they were out west. That's In N Out. And you uh, encountered plenty of In N Out Burger when you were out in California that day. Hell yeah. No, I like In N Out, but I don't I've never had Whataburger. I just assumed they were out west too. Yeah, I've never had Whataburger either. I think I've seen a Whataburger in Florida, but I've never been. They're based out of uh, San Antonio. Mm. I guess I've been to Houston, Dallas, Austin. Well, they definitely they must have one in Austin if the people were there were that pissed off about it. I from the people from the people I met from Austin didn't think they would care about burger chains. Just kind of thought they would care about, like, indie music and alcohol. And liberal politics. Yeah. <laughs> Keep Austin weird. And never say a bad word about Whataburger. <laughs> Apparently. Like, maybe some, like, barbecue, which I could get behind. <laughs> Tacos. Okay, I'm looking up. <gasps> Purple margaritas. Yeah. I'm looking up. Okay, there are 680 Whataburgers in Texas. Oh my god. A lot. A lot. <laughs> Jesus. How many McDonald's are there in Texas? I don't know. There are 19 in Austin. I guess we just didn't look around <laughs> us. Holy shit. Okay. Well, I guess we'll have to try it next time we're there. Man. I'm just... This whole thing. This whole heel heat. It's so weirdly concentrated around what a burger <laughs> i genuinely thought it was the implying texas football was bad um but so i am uh i'm in a place where i still don't want to see Britt baker wrestle really mm-hmm. but i love her heel promos and i don't know if they can like i don't know she needs to get good she needs yeah. to be practicing yeah because or or her, be a manager. She'd be a great manager right now. Man, her promos are on par, though. Yeah, they're incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And the match she was talking about, as she Mike dropped her way out of there, is up next. It is Nyla Rose against Riho for the AEW Women's World Championship. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a new champion in Nyla Rose. Which I think logically we understand, but also it's a shame because it feels a little rushed. I, uh, Jenny and I watched this live, and after the pinfall, I looked over to her, and her face was ashen, her, <laughs> her jaw was dropped. 
It was like she couldn't believe what had just taken place. Oh, Jenny. I was shocked. Yeah. I was shocked. And, I mean, nothing against Nyla. I just... I really like Riho. Yeah. I wonder if they just can't, like... I wonder if it's just they can't get as many dates on her as they want. I think that's... I think it's... I think that's that's what's upsetting, is that... I think it's a scheduling issue. And you can't have an absent champion. Even though I would say within January and early February, she has been doing a lot more dates. Mm -hmm. But there were two months in November and December where she just wasn't around. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think she kind of wrote herself out of the championship. And it's just really disappointing because I, I really enjoy watching her. And I think they could have done a lot with, like, her and Kenny together. I mean, and, and they still will. It's not like she's going away. But I was a little saddened. And that, that little belt only fits her. Like, who else is that belt going to fit? Nyla Rose can get a uh, Mark Henry-style uh, belt extender when he yeah. was the world champion. <laughs> no, I think this will probably pl- like place it in like a new belt. Because like none of the other women on that roster... like That, that belt's like made for like a schoolgirl-type size. I hope Hangman didn't... Uh, like steal Nyla's nameplate too when he was going through those a couple weeks ago. Uh, we just need a segment where he walks by her and is like, here. This is <laughs> oh, CRS now. Hanging on to this for awesome. <laughs> So here's the here's the positive I will say about this. I think Nyla has made big strides since the beginning of the company. Oh definitely. And I think this was the best women's match in the history of the company. Mm. I don't know that I can Sign off on that. Okay. I think it was good. And I think Nyla's performance was light, night and day from her first few matches with the company. Like That tour in Japan that she did in December really helped. And maybe Britt should go on one. <laughs> yeah. There was some like really interesting stuff in this match where uh, Nyla went for a one-winged angel at one point. And then Riho like, countered with a snapdragon. So they're bringing a lot of Kenny into this match. And then afterwards, and Megan, you didn't see this, but in the picture-in-picture, Nyla was walking around backstage and, like, Tony Khan congratulated her. And then she had this, like, long exchange with Kenny, which we could not hear. Mm -mm. But she was very in Kenny's face and uh, seemed, uh, you know, he didn't seem too happy about her beating his girl. And uh, she was, I don't know, like, it... I don't think this is what they're doing, but it occurred to me that maybe they're setting up a mixed tag. Well, they're definitely setting up a mixed tag, but who would be our partner? I don't know. Uh, Pack? Yeah, Pack, maybe. Oh, yeah. I mean, they did collaborate the week before. I was really frustrated watching this picture-in-picture of seeing her, like, yelling at Kenny. And you couldn't hear anything that was being said. Yeah, it was a whole conversation. It, It wasn't extended. I mean, it lasted five minutes. Like, it was... It was frustrating. Yeah. You know what? You could live in blissful ignorance by watching it on TNT.com, <laughs> like me, because I had no idea any of that happened. Well, it felt like she was trying to do, like, a Jericho after winning the belt skit. Yeah, so, Megan, so she was backstage, and like, like I said, she talked to Tony Khan, or Tony Khan, like, congratulated her and walked away. And then she was yelling at Kenny, but, like, also, like, all of the women on the roster were kind of, like, in the background, like watching this. And it did, it was, it did seem kind of evocative of Jericho 
like backstage after he won the title. Yeah, because she kind of turned and like made some other comments to the women who were standing there. Just like no one has any idea what she was saying. Well, I'm assuming she's issuing a challenge for anyone to come forward and try to take the belt off her because you know, coming off a win, you got to feel pretty confident. This crowd was so hot for Riho by the end of the match, and they did pop for the finish, which I think is just like, you know, when a title changes hands, you pop. Because it's like, oh, we saw something important. But I just didn't, I don't, I don't know about the timing. I think Riho is just so popular, and... and uh... Well, she's become popular in the last month, because... She's actually been on TV. She was. She's always been over, though. She always got a reaction. She was always over because she was the best woman's wrestler. But then there was those two months where she was just gone. And I don't... You know, when she first came back, she didn't quite get that pop. I think it's only because she's been on TV lately mm-hmm. that she's getting that huge pop. Maybe. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, I don't want to sell this match short at all because I enjoyed it and thought... They did really, really well, and it was by far the best Nyla Rose match I've seen. I don't know if it's the best women's match ever of this company, but I'm willing to say it's the best Nyla Rose match yet. So I don't want that to be, like, like undercut. I just feel like they had to put it on somebody else because of Rio's schedule, and if you look at the women's roster, realistically... You don't have much to choose from. So. Hikaru Ishida. Hikaru Ishida. Yeah, it, I guess, but they've kind of put her over doing other stuff with randos. I, I. So I get it. I just. I it could, feels. I could mo- see Ishida being like the opponent in a hastily made match for the pay per view. Yeah. You think she'll get the title? No, not. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think they're going to switch the title this quick. I think it, it's, it just seems to me like the first chapter of AEW's women's division is over, and now we're in the next chapter. It is it is a lot better than it was like when things started out. It was a rough first chapter. Yeah. They've got a lot more talented people than they started with. I think they need to like get more dates on Shoko Nakajima. She's good. Yeah. The yeah, she girl. was fun to watch. Yeah, no, I liked, I liked her. Mm-hmm. Except that her tail impeded her from doing a dive through the ropes. That's true. She did get, get a little bit caught up on that tope. <laughs> Costuming, man. So yeah, it was a it was a good match. Um, Nyla's new champ, and maybe she'll do great things. It just it's sad to see Riho taken out of it. Yeah, I mean, I do have. There's there's a thing that goes on, and I, I, I'm sorry to like compare everything to WWE, but that's like the frame of reference I have, you know. Um, there's a thing that happens when people lose titles in WWE. I feel like a lot of times, unless it's like John Cena or Randy Orton or somebody who's like always important, they just like get lost in the morass after that. And I do have faith that they consider Riho an important person, and they will keep her as a star going forward just it'll just she'll just have a different role or like she'll have her own story you know that doesn't need to involve the title right now yeah it'll just be like her like trying to like climb back up to get to to regain the championship i think with kenny being one of her big proponents she's not going to get lost in the shuffle yeah i don't think so either 
You guys ready for some other big news? Hell yeah. Well, it's for next week, but still big news. And it comes to you from Mr. Chris Jericho. Uh, that was funny. Lexi Nair said, Jericho. And then Chris Jericho said, it's Mr. Jericho. And it made me think that she was supposed to say Chris Jericho and then be corrected because it just sounded awkward that she started off the interview by saying Jericho. (laughs) She's um, still not there yet. (laughs) She's she's trying. I have a, I have a, I have a theory about her right now. It's, it's not based on a lot, just like a little bit of social media back and forth and trying to read between the lines. I think she and MJF might be an item. Okay. I mean, okay. That's sure. It's hard to read though because MJF like is 100% in character on social media, so, you know. Well, I guess if they're together, then she probably okayed that shirt, so whatever, but Well, I I know that they are at least like friends, so I think she okayed that shirt either way. And as we know, TNT also okayed that shirt. Yeah. Ugh, I hated it. Me too. I didn't okay that shirt. I thought you were going to say, like, Lexi Nair is here on nepotism because look at how bad she is at speaking, but this is worse. But I digress. The big news. (laughs) The big news, Lexi Nair didn't have to announce because luckily Jericho just ripped that mic right out of her hand and started talking. He has scoured the globe to find, quote-unquote, an assassin, a hitman, a bounty hunter to tear Moxley apart. So he's been doing some work behind the scenes, I guess. And the man he has found is Jeff Cobb. My God, it's the monster Matanza, Dario Cueto's brother. <laughs> I guess Did you know that that's, that's who this man was? Yes, you told me that, but I also recognized him most recently from the G1, so I I was like, oh, well, they've already worked together, so this is going to be really good. Oh, was was he in B-Block with uh, John? Uh, Yeah, I think so, if I'm remembering correctly. So, yeah, it's exciting. Jeff Cobb is here next week, and if Moxley survives Santana, of course... He will have to face him because this is Jericho's man. And then they show us some clips of Jeff Cobb very briefly. So if you don't know who he is, you at least can see he's a beast of a man. So my my initial thought was like, oh, cool. I like Jeff Cobb. And then I thought, oh, man. Is anybody going to know who Jeff Cobb is? And then they immediately played a hype video. And I thought, oh, that's smart. Now they'll know who he is next week. And that's even before they did what they did at the end of the show. So, like, I'll, we can talk about it more later. But I thought they handled the introduction of Jeff Cobb very well on this show. Yeah. And yeah, I like that they're just, you know, they're continuing to give John stuff to do. Like, you know, roadblocks before he gets his hands on Jericho on the 29th. Yeah, they're going to try and kill him before he actually has to have a match yeah. for the title. <laughs> So look forward to that. Uh, We get a brief video recap of Cody's 10 lashes from MJF. uh, In case you've, I guess, forgotten who MJF is because his match against Jungle Boy is next up. I love the slow motion replay of the lashes where you can see Cody's skin ripple. Ugh, that's (laughs) horrifying. (laughs) His poor back. But yeah, MJF is 
uh, going to have a match with Jungle Boy and Brandy, Cody's loving wife, joins the commentary team to talk about how much she fucking hates MJF and what he's done to her husband. So. So nice to have Brandy back and not have Nightmare Collective Brandy. So happy. But she acknowledged that, like, you know, bad things had been done because she apologized to Excalibur. For... She did. I appreciated that. It was awkward, but I appreciated it. You just need to address it and then move past it. Yeah. 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 They didn't make too big of a deal of it, and everybody was happy. I really thought that, like, for her to get out of this, we were going to have to not see her for months. I mean, yeah, as we talked about, like, because I think we said, like, how the hell do you, like, pivot from this? And I think we decided, like, she's just going to have to go away for six months. Right. But no, they're just, like, facing it head on. Yeah. And... (laughs) Skits with a uh, skits with a stuffed animal, and, uh, and everything's fine. But also, kind of like we're just not going to talk about it, yeah, and bring it up. So it's so quickly the turnaround, but we're just going to act like it's totally normal, which is we fine. A, we have a we have a big news item on this later too, so look forward to that. Oh, I am okay. Yeah. So. So this is uh, this MJF versus Jungle Boy match ends in MJF pinning Jungle Boy. Unfortunately, he does the double cross, but Jungle Boy gets to hold his own for a bit. This match was so cool. It was very high energy, and I loved that they kept saying on commentary. They kept talking about how like you're looking at like a match that is probably going to be a pay per view main event a few years down the line. It was just like reminding you like these guys are 23 years old and 22 years old. And five years from now, think how much better they're going to be and how much bigger stars they're going to be. And this is like, you were looking at the future right now. MJF's only 23. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That explains a lot. <laughs> Doesn't explain how he can promo that good. Talked a lot of shit as a kid. Yeah. There were some um, cool moments, though. I Like, early on, I like, they had this shot where... MJF knocks Jungle Boy down and he like immediately looks very proud of himself at the hard camp. And then in the background, you see Jungle Boy just like pop back up and he looks at him and goes, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) And then they fight some more. (laughs) So that was pretty fun. Um, And there were like a there was a tandem kip up moment. Yes, that was great. Yeah. Uh, So it was good. And also this match served to kind of allow. We. We have Brandy on commentary, but we also see Arn backstage, and he's watching this match, scouting for Cody. So already anticipating that, of course, Cody's going to win against Wardlow in a steel cage match, and he's going to need to have some intel on how MJF actually fights. So that was kind of a fun touch. And you can tell that uh, Arn learned how to watch uh, television from his uh, 20 years as a WWE backstage personality. He's got that angle down. Yep. <laughs> apparently, apparently, um, on the uh, on the picture in picture, like for you know for the uh, the fight TV feed and the international feed, uh, Excalibur said Excalibur made a comment about Aaron and the angle he was standing at, and, and, and then Brandy said something like, "How can you even see the match from that <laughs> standing like that?" <laughs> oh. good times. It's the perfect natural way to watch television mm-hmm. i don't know about you guys i always stand at that angle the uh the uh i i really liked this because they made a big deal of the fact that like 
at the beginning of the match, MJF came out and Wardlow was with him. And then he told Wardlow, no, I'm good. Like, we're cool. You can just, you can go. I don't need you for this one. And in kind, Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt. Luchasaurus never came out. Didn't he? No, I thought they Marco. Looked, I thought he they carried, with him. They did their they, entrance. And then they left. Yeah, they did their entrance. Oh, I'm getting dark mixed up with dynamite. Yeah. So... So they, you know, they didn't feel any need to, like, even the odds because MJF decided to go it alone. Right. But as it got later in the match and MJF was in trouble, Wardlow suddenly appeared from the crowd and uh, handed off the diamond ring. And that's how that's how uh, MJF uh, set up the double cross by cracking Jungle Boy with the ring. Yeah. And after the match, Wardlow also got in the ring to beat up Jungle Boy. Hit him with, like, uh, Brock Lesnar F5. Yeah. It's a big boy. Spun him around in the air, yeah. Um, they're, doing, they're doing a good job of making Wardlow seem like very threatening. I'm 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 pretty excited for that cage match next week, honestly. I hope he turns out to be a good wrestler too, because so often you do this build up of these beast characters that end up just being terrible. I'm sure that even if he's not really ready, that they will work it in such a way that you won't really notice that the, they'll, they'll, they'll probably be smart about the, especially since it's a Cody match. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they'll be smart about the way they lay it out. Yeah. I, I want him to turn out to be cool, even if he needs more time to be super skilled. I just don't want the illusion ruined so quickly. Yeah, no, I get you. And when Wardlow starts beating up jungle boy, uh, Marco and Luchasaurus both run out and Wardlow jumps out of the ring before Luchasaurus can get to him. But we do see Luchasaurus sort of signal, like, come at me, bro. So two big dudes. Who knows what the future holds? They might be yeah. fighting. Yeah, we can see that down the line, sure. Yeah. What do you think that finish is going to be like next week? Do you think, now we've never seen an AEW t- uh, cage match. Do you think they'll do cage escape rules? So that's how you do it without, like, you know, get out of it without pinning Wardlow? Maybe. But also, man, like, is Cody a climber? I'm sure Cody can climb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe maybe they'll have big, like, uh, maybe it'll be like the old WWF cages from the 80s where there's, like, they they made them basically so Hulk Hogan could climb them. So they're, like, giant, like, ladders, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Either that or um, maybe they find some way to get the door open. So that he, because you you can escape right through the door, if for some reason it opens, or if you. I mean, assuming it's like the, you know, like we really don't know what this cage looks like. It's the first cage match in AEW history. Yeah. Hmm. Now for WWE cage matches, do they? Um, I can't remember. Are the rules basically like no DQ once you're in there? Yeah. Okay. It's it's basically like pinfall submission or escape the cage. Okay. Uh, next up, we have a video ca- package of Pack doing some training, and he starts out jogging. He's fully clothed. He's <laughs> running around a city, and then it's like like a oh. normal person. Yeah, it's like they figured it out. Cut to him half naked in an alley. Excuse me, that's full gear. Full gear. <laughs> Half naked, full gear. I love it. I love. I love that he like. They showed that he is capable of wearing clothes. He just, he just mostly chooses not to. Yep. So, 
Pac says he understands why Kenny is having self-confidence issues um, and trouble with his friends as well. He attributes all of this stuff to Kenny being scared because he knows Pac is the fucking best. And I was like, respect on taking that stance. You've just (laughs) attributed some other person's entirely separate problems to you. Good job. I'm surprised he didn't attribute it to Matt's weird energy. (laughs) He's not that in touch. Matt has weird energy, but Pac has a just a superiority complex. So he's the cause of all of Kenny's life problems. And because of that, he's getting his rubber match in two weeks. Iron Man match. That, do you think they will, they will do the whole thing? Like, do you think they will go? Well, yeah, that's, you have, no, that's a, it's specifically a 30 minute Iron Man match. Okay. Yeah. So they will go 30, but. They'll draw. You think it'll be a draw? Mm -hmm. So they can have a real rubber match on a pay-per-view. Not this pay-per-view. Double or nothing? But double or nothing. Hmm. That's what I anticipate. I don't know. I kind of think Pac's going to win. Because he don't have anything for him at the pay-per-view. But Kenny's got, you know, Kenny's got the tag, Kenny's got a tag team title match. To... Is he going to do anything at the pay-per-view? I mean, he's not full-time AEW. Pac? Yeah. He's been, I mean, I know he's not technically full-time, but he's been like, a, he's been on a lot of, he's been on most of the shows lately. Yeah, but just like these weird, like full gear, half naked promos. Yeah, I don't know. I like his promos. I think he's. I, I think he's really good. I love him. I just think it's so funny that he's just like, I'm a wrestler, so I'm gonna wear my wrestle clothes out in public. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I feel like if Pac wins, it's not gonna hurt Kenny because Kenny's got other stuff going on. So, I could see Pac winning. But who is Pac gonna fight? A revolution, then. I, I mean, I would. That's that's somebody I could see being on the buy-in, mm-hmm. because because he doesn't have anything else set up, and that match, that Iron Man match, is literally three days before Revolution. Right. Like, so, like, I don't know. Throw him in there with a good worker and just somebody he can beat. You know, Pack versus Trent. Trent's gonna be in the tag team thing. Well, but he's probably not gonna win the tag team battle royal, so he he's not gonna. Wrestle on the uh, on the pay per view. You're gonna make him do double time though. All that work get no, hurt. No, no, no. That comes before the pay per view. The battle royal is next week. Yeah, he could get hurt. I don't know. You're right. He's not gonna be on the pay per view. Trent actually might be good too. Now that now that I hear it, because he he was getting that push with the Lucha Brothers. Yeah. Then they just stopped caring about him. I think he had a dynamite match against Pac that was really good, if I recall correctly. I think you're right. Yeah. I guess we'll see. But Did you I, just get really turned around on like what matches are taking place when? Yeah, there's okay. a lot of matches. <laughs> I swear, guys, every time there's like the wall of match announcements <laughs> that they do mid-show, where it's like, some of these are on this show, others are on a week from now. There's some that are two weeks away. It's like... I can't be troubled. It's just you, a lot. Do you, do you want me to create like a spreadsheet or something to, <laughs> and keep it updated with what matches are happening what week? Wait, do they actually do that? Yeah. Oh, I've never noticed that. I thought that all of the matches that they displayed were for the upcoming week. No, it's overwhelming. Sometimes mid-show they, they pepper in things coming up in a week, but they also in the same segment are like, but also this show and I just lose track because I'm like, well, I'm watching this show, so I'll see whichever ones end up being on here. <laughs> I think, like, specifically last week, they 
they told us about five matches taking place over the course of three shows in the future. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess I just assume they're all taking place the next show. That's what happens when you Instagram while you're watching. Wow. Wow. I just get overwhelmed and I'm like, you know what? I'll see him when I see him. It's fine. <laughs> and then things like this happen. So, yeah. yeah. And speaking of, I think the next thing we had was, in fact, just like, hey, this is what's next week. Could have been. I didn't write it down because, again, once that stuff starts happening, I'm like, okay, sure. It doesn't matter. That's why we have a Dynamite preview segment at the end of the show, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, I'll get the news when it's important. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. What was next up for me was the main event. That's what I wrote down. Eye for an eye. Indeed. It's Santana, who is accompanied by Ortiz, versus John Moxley. And before this match starts, we do get a shot of the inner circle taking their place in the reserved seating area at the top of the stands with a little bit of the bubbly on a bar set out just for them for their viewing pleasure. Now that I've drank like a lot of a little bit of the bubbly, it it really kind of bums me out whenever I see Jericho with it because it's like, oh, you poor guy. You have to drink that all the time now just to keep in character. But I think he likes it. Well, I hope he does. I think he does. I think he likes a little sweeter. He must not be really a wine guy. Because it's his brand, I would think he has some say in it. And it seems like he likes it. Yeah. It's real bad. Yeah. It could be like that time on 30 Rock when Jack tried to produce champagne and it turned out to be the grossest thing ever. So he had to get, like, the one hip-hop guy to put it in all his videos so that he could trick people into thinking it was really good. Ghostface killer. Yep. But Jericho likes his. Um, he did have just some wonderful shots where when Moxley was coming through the crowd as part of his entrance, we see Jericho disgusted making a face, but he has his little plastic cup full of little bit of the bubbly and he looks disgusted and he just stares at Moxley as he sips angrily. And I thought that was really good. Jenny, Jenny uh, kind of when she saw them going up to the private box area, she was like, oh, I hope this is as good as uh, the last time they were up there in a private box. And it wasn't. It wasn't nearly as good. It was oh. not a box. It was just like a section of seats. No, that was a box. That's how a box works, Megan. But they weren't, like, closed in. Yeah, they had a they had a, a fence around them. Yeah, I just picture a box with, like, a floor to ceiling, like, the plastic or, or glass guarding you from you know all the Not regulars indoor arena i don't know i still feel like you should get that so this was have... either way this was not the uh this was not the nightmare family versus inner circle concession stand brawl that we <laughs> got uh before the last pay-per-view no no it was no, not that was great yeah and as it turns out eye for an eye is just uh another name for hardcore match indeed yeah so we all know that neither of these men's eyes are actually hurt. What? And they're just wearing eye patches for show. However, during this match, Santana made it pretty clear to all of the public that Moxley's eye is A-OK. He was trying to get his other eye onto the stairs, I assume, to hurt his other eye. But in doing so, 
he twisted the eye patch so far over to the left that you could have you had a full on view of of Moxley's right eye open and looking just fine. We've got a picture of it on our Insta at the Elite Beat Pod. I'm assuming Moxley just wasn't in the mood to wear that extra layer of bandage that they had the first week that he was blinded because it probably seemed annoying. Uh, but that would have prevented you seeing his eyeball this time. It really would have, because it, it was just so fake. It's like, I get that this is fake, I know this is fake, but, like, don't show me that it's fake. Yeah, when your face is getting smashed against a metal 300-pound step, there's only <laughs> so much you can do. It's just <laughs> how it goes. This match started early because these two men cannot contain their hatred for each other. So Santana attacked Moxley before he even made it to the ring. And then it's a lot of, a lot of brutalization during the match. But Moxley gets the win with the paradigm shift. As he does. Uh, Ortiz, though. Ortiz has some shenanigans in this match. And Jenny, I was interested on your your thought on this. Because Ortiz utilizes some sort of hard liquor or alcohol to spit into Moxie's good eye, which temporarily blinds him. How did you feel about this usage of just your friend alcohol? <laughs> Our friend alcohol, to be fair. I'm not trying to accuse you of anything. but She's giving me a look like she has no idea that this happened. <laughs> did you miss this part? I think I missed this part, Megan. I, I just assumed he was he spit like a little bit of the bubbly in his face. Maybe maybe not. It was in a flask, not a flask, but it was in like um like a short stout liquor bottle, basically. Oh, okay. Well. Okay, so huh. I thought it was a good spot. <laughs> I thought Ortiz had mastered the art of spitting in like a like causing a maximum cloud effect. Yeah. With the spit. And uh, I just, I'm like, I don't know that doing that would cause blindness, but I guess so. <laughs> well, I don't think doing any of this would cause, cause blindness. Wow. <laughs> I mean, jamming a key into somebody's eye would for sure cause blindness. Sure, if you actually jammed it into his eye. I did yeah. like the, the end of the match when they both had, they were, they were both blinded because... Box like once he was blind, he dug his thumb into Santana's good eye. Yeah, but he had to wait until like because he bumbled around for a little bit, and Santana kind of pushed him and mocked him. And he, when Santana got him in a headlock, he kind of gave up his position, and then that was when Moxley was able to locate his eyeball to uh, put his thumb through. And once he did that, they kind of they both kind of like felt around in the air for a while. And until, like, finally Mox located his prey, and then he kicked him and gave him the paradigm shift. Yeah. I enjoyed it. So dumb. (laughs) I just recently watched uh, Return of the Jedi, and it was very reminiscent of uh, when Han came out of the the Carbonite, and he was temporarily blind, and just for no apparent reason, he had to bumble around. I'm like, oh, shit. Got some Han Solo going on here. That's right. That was apropos, nothing. But uh, yeah, they bumbled around. There was some comedy there. And then Moxley got the win. But of course... Got up at night poisoning. (laughs) 
Yeah, Moxie got carbonite poisoning. He can't enjoy his win, though, because he didn't get carbonite poisoning, but he did get attacked by the inner circle. They're so mad that their boy lost, of course. Um, And I felt like this attack was just mirrored their last one on him because Hager held up Moxley while different members of the group hit him with things. Ortiz hit him with the baseball and the sock. Jericho hit him with the title. And then they switched off, so Hager got the chance to kick him in the balls again. Um, it was just very much like a repeat of that one attack. Probably the first attack on him, I think. But the difference is, at the end of this one, Jericho beckoned to the stage, and his assassin, Jeff Cobb, comes out. And we see Jeff Cobb just basically pick Moxley up. He does. It, I'm sure there's a name for the move, but he basically like ran him around in a circle and tossed him away. But we get to see that Jeff Cobb is very strong, and he's already here. So watch out, Moxley, because you have to face this man next week, and he's very threatening. Gave him the tour of the islands. Is that the name of the move? That's the name of the move. All right. I remember they said it, but I wasn't sure if they were being funny wordplay or if that was the name of the movie. No, yeah, that, that, that is, uh, he, he, is, he is from an island. He is uh, he's from Guam. And uh, yeah, it's called The Tour of the Islands. All right. Well, he's yeah. a strong boy. He is. I liked, I really liked his look um, when he came out with like the wet hair and like he looked like a, he looked like a big badass. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so this, this was the other thing. So, so they, they introduced Jeff Cobb in three stages. First, they said his name. And like I said earlier, I had the thought like, oh, I hope people like know who he is next week and, and like him. And then they immediately did the video package and I said, oh, that's smart. Now some people will know. And then he's actually there, which really shocked me. And and he comes out and people popped and he and he and he beat up John Moxley, so you know that it's it's possible. And I just I thought they did a really great job of like as good a job as you can do in one night of like introducing a new guy and trying to get him over. Agreed. I thought he lo- ended up looking very cool. Yeah. Agreed. Jenny, have you seen Jeff Cobb at all? I don't think I have. What do you what are your thoughts just based on this? Seems like a big guy. <laughs> okay. True. He's an Olympian. Legit? What sport? Uh, wrestling. Okay. Oh, cool. So he's an amateur and professional wrestler. Correct. This should be fun. Yeah. 2004 Summer Olympics uh, in Athens for uh, Guam. He looked a lot older than Ronda Rousey. Well, Ronda was at the 2008 Olympics. She was at the 2004 as well. Oh, okay. Well, she was very young. She was at Athens and China. She was very young in, in Athens then. Yeah. Well, you have to be six, turning 16 that year. Yeah. Cobb was, Cobb was 37 years old. Okay. So he's only a few years older than Rhonda. He's like four years older than Rhonda. Mm. Yeah. You thought he looked like he was in his 40s. Mm. So he looked like an old man. I didn't think he looked like an old man. I just thought that he looked older. I gotcha. What did we think of this Dynamite overall? Because there's a lot of talk out there that this was the best episode of Dynamite. Whoa. I feel like I hear that a lot. A lot <laughs> of episodes end up being the best episode of Dynamite. Well, the, the, the reason that people have been saying it about this one is because um, I, think, I think just because it's the first show where nobody really had anything negative to say about any of the segments. I 
guess that's true because there was no Nightmare Collective and the Dark Order stuff was couched in a way that is not all about them. Yeah, and all the matches were good. Yeah. So and I that, don't know that I think it's the best. Like I, I think I like last week's better just because of that strapping angle I thought was so good. Yeah, in the sense that like nothing really bad happened. I would I would say I agree with that part, but I I wouldn't say this one's the best. I have, yeah, like I I'm not gonna it. remember I'm not gonna remember this episode six months from now, you know? Yeah. Like I'm I'm not gonna forget that strapping angle. No. I, I, I had fun with this one while it lasted, but yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, but it didn't have the pops that some of the other episodes have had. Well, let's see what the American public uh, thought about this episode as we go into the ratings from uh, John Pollock of Post Wrestling wrote this story on Thursday afternoon. Wednesday night's cable numbers are in with AEW outdrawing NXT, although suffering a notable decline from last week's figures. AEW, which put forward a well-received show from Texas, was down 12% in total viewers and dropped 17% in the 18-49 to demographic. For the two hours, Dynamite averaged 819,000, I'm sorry, 817,000 viewers on TNT, and it was their lowest mark of 2020, uh, only good for 10th on the night uh, on cable. Wow. Uh, So not their best episode. uh, Not their best rated episode. Uh, NXT, on the other hand, averaged 757,000 viewers on USA, which included a five-minute overrun. The show was immediately followed by Miz and Mrs. that... Also did 757,000 viewers. Uh, AEW and NXT both went against the Milwaukee Bucks versus Indiana Pacers game on ESPN that did 878,000 viewers. And uh, AEW often, when there's like a big ticket NBA game, they they get hurt a little bit by that. Uh, AEW took big hits among the 18 to 49 demo, with men down 18% and females dropping the 14% from last week's episode. So, yeah, that's the big thing this week. So, NXT, they won with adults over 50, as they always do. They also edged out AEW with women 18 to 49. Wow. And they tied with women 12 to 34. So, I don't know what uh, what NXT is doing to get the ladies in. Maybe maybe uh, Charlotte, maybe Charlotte coming in last week uh, helped boost things. Yeah, I'm behind on NXT. I'm wondering what their current storylines are that, that might compete yeah so i don't know uh yeah i'm I'm a little bit surprised that it dropped so much Mm -hmm. last week was really big because of the strapping angle uh i guess i guess it's not shocking that it's down but i would have thought that people would have wanted to see the follow-up of which there was not really there wasn't much yeah but you wouldn't know that until you watched it that's true yeah I think that's going to bounce back big because they have been plugging that cage match for for a long time now. Yeah. And the cage matches this week. Yeah, next week, yeah. Okay, let's move on to the news of the week. Uh, This is the Brandy story that I uh, kind of foreshadowed earlier. Uh, I listened to this interview. Brandy Brandy Rhodes was on Wrestling Observer Live with Brian Alvarez to discuss the end of her role within the Nightmare Collective. This is the recap written by John Pollock of Post Wrestling. Uh, Last week's episode of Dynamite signaled the end of it when Brandy came out during the final segment where Cody received the 10 lashes. In the interview, Brandy noted that the initial idea was her playing a manager to Awesome Kong, 
who would be an assassin style of character. Kong was not doing well physically and limited her and opened the door for some additional characters to be brought in and created the Nightmare Collective. She acknowledged that fans were not into the story, and Brandy felt the same way. She noted that the recent therapy sessions to add some depth to the character were her idea and not from others at AEW, with Brandy hiring the actress herself to shoot the spots. It was also noted that there are questions for fans to see what happens with Mel and Luther, as it seems they will remain. So you think this was Kenny's idea for the Nightmare Collective, if he's running the women's division? Uh, maybe, yeah. I don't know. Megan, any reaction to that news story? I'm glad it's over. Mm-hmm. It is weird that Brandy was not on board with it, because I just assumed she had more power as far as like saying no to those sort of things. Um, but glad it's over. Yeah, ultimately. Yeah. Uh, in other news, AEW will be returning to the Aganis Arena in Boston, Massachusetts for the April 15th edition of Dynamite, and will return to Philadelphia on April uh, 22nd at the Lacourse Center. This is the first set of markets AEW is bringing Dynamite back to since the show's launch last fall. So what do you guys think about such a quick return to those same buildings where they where you know things kicked off in October? I'm assuming they want to like I mean isn't that an easy way to not guarantee interest but like they've seen the market there already so they kind of know what they're working with maybe yeah maybe so early on like the hype was still there they were still selling out stuff for the Mm -hmm. first few weeks so it might be over they might be placing too much on those early markets just because of the hype. Well, I'm sure they've probably continued to monitor the television ratings in those markets, and maybe they've remained strong. I don't know. The tickets went on sale today, so I don't think either sold out immediately like they did, you know, back when they first went on sale. But I guess we'll see how it goes. I was surprised because they, they, you know, they obviously haven't covered the entire United States uh-uh. to any degree. They haven't, they, you know, like they're going back to cities they've already run, and they haven't even been to California yet. Yeah. Do you think there's any chance that they made a deal with those venues? Cause I'm assuming they're the same ones that they went to originally that like, like it was like a, a multiple date deal. That's possible. You know, that's, that's Megan. That's a great thought. And I, uh, I, I don't know the answer to that, but that's certainly possible. I, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't considered that. Yeah. I I don't know if that's a thing that happens, but it seems like if you're going to take a chance on this new promotion, maybe just being like, we're going to lock it in at the low rate. You got to come back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cody Rhodes was on Wrestling Observer Radio. Uh, so the Wrestling Observer website between Brandy and Cody, they had a pretty good week for, as far as getting uh, AEW guests because they're co-opted. Um, and uh, Cody, I, I've got some quotes from Cody about the uh, about just some different things I thought were interesting. Here's uh, him talking about the forthcoming third hour of AEW programming. And he shared some ideas that have been tossed around concerning it. I think just testing the waters at Warner Media, I think they're going to want to maybe diversify a little bit in terms of the format could even be different. But I'll say that not for lack of preparation. We're prepared. Whenever we're ready to pull the trigger on the third hour and we know as part of the new deal, the third hour is going to become real. We haven't had a long-form discussion about it with Warner Media. We've had a discussion with Tony. Tony's got years and years of ideas. We're ready as an infrastructure because we use the production right now. Last week, we did two matches prior and two matches after the crowd remained. Super hot. 
And then we also added some profile pieces into it. So we're ready whenever to meet the challenge, but I wouldn't be surprised if we kind of experiment with what the third hour is. I don't think we want the third hour to be a wraparound, a catch up. I think we want something particular. And actually, I hope I'm not speaking at a turn here because it's more Tony's job to tell you this, but Tony had some great ideas at one point about a show for the younger guys and girls, kind of the up and coming guys and girls. And I thought it was a dynamite idea, no pun intended. So I could see us going that route. But again, we're gonna wait until they come to us with some ideas where it's going to be for one. And I think the initial talk was like, oh, it'll be like Dark, but on another channel. I don't think it'll be like Dark. I think it'll be its own animal. And we would want that, you know? We want to test ourselves. And this is a test for us. So I think it'll be something different. And maybe, I don't mean that as a hint, I think maybe we'll go the route of the young, less seen, because we have a lot. It's hard. Our roster is pretty full, and two hours a week is not that much. Well, that's what I've been talking about all along, that this other hour whether it's dark or, or this new show is it should be focused on developmental like an nxt mm-hmm. i think that would be cool um there's no chance they're just gonna tack a third hour onto their already two-hour show right it's gonna be separate for sure i guess i mean i guess anything's possible but the way it's been talked about and the way it was worded in that initial press release it was it was definitely talked about as a separate entity Okay, I, which I hope. I think adding a third hour would be annoying and bad um, mm-hmm. and put it into raw territory, but I think they're very creative and I'm, I trust whatever they direction they decide to go, but it would be cool to give some like newer people the opportunity to get um, practice and TV time and hopefully get them ready to, to do more stuff on the main roster. And here he is talking about the creative process, which I found very interesting. Uh, while talking about storylines, Rhodes said that he specifically likes to have things planned out six months in advance. There are things that come up that alter certain people's timing, but with him, Chris Jericho, and those kinds of people, things are mapped out months in advance. I'd say not a full year, but maybe six months. Not everybody likes to talk about six months from now. It's not the conversation that everyone wants to talk about now and this week. But I think one of the keys to what we do is going to be having an advanced plan. And to be honest, some of the stuff we do have kind of a thought process of one year. What does this look like? For example, Double or Nothing. Not this year, but what will Double or Nothing look like in 2021? I think we've got to stay to that, and we haven't had any signs that we won't be able to accomplish that. With a weekly show, we've kept it at six months at minimum for certain stuff. There's certain guys that flow a little bit more improvisationally and move like maybe every, maybe they've got four weeks mapped out. Guys like Jericho and myself, I guess, who I got it mapped out pretty far in advance. That's part of what I was telling you. Again, real inside baseball here, but this is the observer. I like to have everything well mapped out for me. It just gives me something to work for and something to flow off of, and it's wrestling. Stuff can change at any minute at any second. I'm used to that. I'm used to change. It's nice to have that structure. That's a big thing. AEW is the renegade wild company, but it's amazing how much real structure exists here, and I love the fact that that's the way it is. And uh, Cody also spoke very highly of Darby Allen. He talked about Darby's professionalism and how he conducts himself at AEW events and the reaction from the youth towards Darby. It's moved quicker than perhaps we expected with somebody like Darby. I'm always careful talking about Darby because I don't want to jinx it, but man, how ahead of the curve is Darby? And he's tapped into something with a youth that's not... I'm 34. I still consider myself young at heart, but I'm not actually young. Darby is younger, and he appeals to a different demo, and yeah... To see the half face paint in the crowd reminds me a lot of early Sting as well, and there's kind of shades of Jeff Hardy there with Darby. But the thing that impresses me the most is his behavior. That's something that's really encouraging to see from a young man. 
He's unbelievably professional, and he's ahead of the curve with talking to all the floor cam guys. Some of the talent don't even know the floor cam guys exist. They're so nervous when they're out there. Darby talks to all the camera guys about what he's trying to accomplish. He is consistently talking and coming up with things for himself, and he also is someone that he sees that there are wrestlers out there who do very little and get a lot, and that little chip on his shoulder and that kind of frustration, that's a good thing. I'm careful talking too much about him, but I think we're all looking forward to the growth of Darby Allen. He's always in the ring at QT Marshall School, and Darby's. Always, I went there the other day just to work out. There's a gym facility as well. He's just having matches with himself, and I feel like every guy you've ever heard about who's having a match with himself ended up being a massive deal, so I'm proud of Darby so far. There's a lot of room to grow in areas to improve, and he wants to improve in all those areas, so he's special, and it's so cool to see the little kids liking someone who's got kind of a fearless-type character and true personality because it's a good quality for kids to get with. Megan, I'm sure that warms your heart to hear all that about Darby it Allen. It really does. Oh. <laughs> and I'm not not saying that I expected Darby to be unprofessional, but it's so he's such a weirdo that like it kind of is touching to know that he's very grounded and also um, very professional, apparently. So I, I guess I just expected him to be skulking around like staying in the rafters. Right. <laughs> Uh, one more story this week, and it's it's uh, kind of an important one because it's about Jeff Cobb. Uh, when I watched the show, I just assumed, I said, like, okay, well, they signed Jeff Cobb. Not so. Uh, this is from The Observer. The story with Cobb is that he's still a free agent and has only agreed at this point to do the program with Moxley. It's interesting that they are willing to use a Ring of Honor guy. Uh, who He's actually not with Ring of Honor contractually right now, but he's working there, like, as a... Uh, on a you know date by date basis uh, for a short term program, they used footage to introduce him from All Pro Wrestling rather than Ring of Honor or New Japan, which is also telling about those those relationships. Cobb has been offered a deal by Cody, but his goal is working as much New Japan as he can right now. Interesting. Yeah, I think that makes it an easier decision about what to do with that finish. Like you yeah. don't, you don't. Even though he's brand new, you don't need to protect him if he's not committed. That's true. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't realize he was with ROH. Yeah, that's that's. Um, he basically he was he signed with Ring of Honor last year or two years ago, like largely because of the New Japan relationship, because that was his that was his real goal was to work for New Japan. That just takes us to the previews for next week. AEW Dark for February eighteenth, two thousand twenty. Looks like another good one. We've got the Best Friends versus the Hybrid 2. We've got Chris Statlander coming back. She's been gone for a while. Against Diamante, who I believe wrestled Big Swole a couple weeks ago. She did. Speaking of, we got... She's part of LAX, right? She was, was. She was at another company, yeah. Speaking of Big Swole, uh, she's up against another newcomer, Christy Janes. Never heard of her. Hmm. And uh, in the main event, the Young Bucks versus... Peter Avalon and QT Marshall. Wow. What? <laughs> well, give him a smash a match. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. Maybe 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 it'll be like a comedy match. Oh. Is that on dark? Yeah. Okay. And Dynamite for next week. Really big uh, show. We got Cody versus Wardlow in a steel cage. We've got John Moxley versus Jeff Cobb. We've got the tag team battle royal featuring the Young Bucks. SCU, The Butcher and the Blade, Strong Hearts, The Hybrid 2, Jurassic Express, The Best Friends, The Clean Beavers, 
Private Party, and Proud and Powerful. Ten teams in that battle royal. It's a lot of teams, and I could I could name them all off of their picture. Yeah, I was very impressed with that. And in the AEW tag team title match, it is Mega Hung defending against the Lucha Brothers. So that should be really good. And of course, that is set up by the eight man tag two weeks ago where uh, Pentagon penned Adam Page. Mm. So yeah, looking like a really good dynamite, especially with that steel cage match. I'm really, I'm really excited for that one. We'll see Sounds what Warren like Lowe could do. It's going to be the best dynamite ever. <laughs> very well might be Megan very well might be aren't they all yeah. until you reach a year that's right now that's going to do it for us on this most romantic of days Valentine's Day and we hope that all of you out there will be our Valentines by following us on Instagram at the Elite Beat Pod and subscribing to the show on Spotify but until next time for Megan and for Jenny, I'm Andy. Thank you so much for listening to the Elite Beat. E, Elite Beat. E, E, Elite Beat.